1: welcome to non-contact time a podcast about all things educational with hannah and kath i'm kath i'm hannah and welcome to the show today's show is going to be a little bit different to some of our other episodes because today it's cake with hannah and kath Um, yay at the end of term or when we've had a hard day hannah and i often go for cake um mm, cake um and we talk about all the problems we've been having at school and we debrief and it's just a really good way of getting things off our chest and it was actually the way we came up with this idea for the podcast because we found ourselves talking about stories in the news and things that we wanted to do with our teaching and learning and funny stories that we shared about students and then we turned it into a podcast so um, we're going to share that with you today and if you're one of our Patreons, you can actually watch this episode as well as listen to it. Um, so make sure you get on our Patreon and donate and then you can watch Hannah and I and actually see the cake that we're eating. So I've got a banana and pecan muffin that I made myself. And what have you got, got, Hannah?
0: I've got some lovely, um, well, it's a box cake, but I put lemon drizzle on the top. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice. <laughs>
1: yes lemon drizzle quite jealous now i kind of want your cake more more than mine i was saying to hannah i made um my muffins because i don't eat my bananas in time and i always think that it's really healthy but it's not at all it's full of sugar and butter but it's got bananas and pecans and cinnamon and nutmeg it's not really that healthy
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah but that stuff must count you've got like something good in there it's not like mine that is basically sugar and rubbish <laughs> but it tastes great
1: so today we're going to actually ask each other our five questions normally we ask these questions to our guests and um, Hannah and I thought we should share our answers with you because we've never done that um, and the second part of our episode we're actually going to talk about some survival stories of COVID so what teachers have actually been doing to try and get through this really really weird time
0: so let's get in with the questions so Kath. What is teaching to you?
1: Oh, gosh. Do you know, I should have actually prepared an answer. Hannah has a script, just going to throw (laughs) it out there, everyone. She wrote herself a script and I haven't done that because I thought, I'll do it off the cuff and I'll be able to do it really, really well. And my brain's just gone blank because (laughs) one of the words I would say about teaching is it's very tiring. Uh, Today has been a very long day. Um, It's really rewarding. Um, I love the creativity um, as part of my job. And I think the thing that I enjoy most about teaching is the ability for children or students to change over time. It's such a nice moment when you see a student who struggled when you first met them in year seven. And then when they get to year 11 they're, or year 12 or year 13, and they're just really confident and they've become a really good version of themselves and they've become really individual and they've found their niche I just I think that's the most amazing part is watching that change over time and even the change over time of a student who's really shy and kind of reserved and then them finding their place in the world I think that's really exciting even if they decide not to take art I'm always really excited to see their change. I ran into a student at um, my local supermarket in London a couple of years ago, and she was one of my favorite art students. And she was like, I didn't take art. I'm like, that's okay, (laughs) I'm not mad. But she's now a translator and just hearing her stories of where she ended up after A-level was absolutely amazing. And I think that's really rewarding too. So Hannah, describe teaching to you.
0: Well, it's kind of a bit similar to what you've said. My words are teaching is shaping someone's future and I think great teachers do it in such a positive way and students always remember their favourite teacher. When I first started teaching, I remember my PGCE tutor told me that a student will remember maybe one thing that you've told them or one thing that you've done with them for the rest of their life. You want to make that a good experience. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it, just shaping someone's future and enjoying that journey and we'll go on to it in a bit when we talk about the types of students to teach, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that student's always gonna be on board. And like previous guests have said, having students that perhaps are a bit of a challenge is where I think my my kind of relationship building and, and all my skills lie, and that's my favorite thing to do, I think. bringing some of those students who haven't got anything or anyone that supports them and making them feel like part of that, part of our classroom and part of our kind of little little culture, little environment.
1: <laughs> oh, that's really nice. Oh, wish my answer was better. I should have scripted it.
0: <laughs> I actually went totally off script then.
1: <laughs> what? Um, and it doesn't go off script very often. No, I,
0: I, I heard your answer that. and I was like, oh, mine's just too <laughs> too wooden. <laughs> so, um, what is the best type of student to teach, Kathy?
1: Um, For me, I think it's a student that tries and a student who's willing to put the effort in. Um, I keep saying, I've been saying it a lot this week, you're only going to get back what you put in. So if you put in nothing, you're going to walk away from today's lesson with nothing. And I think that's so true. Um, So if a student's willing to put in the time, I'm always willing to put in the time to them. And it doesn't matter how little that is, even if it's like the tiniest change of effort, I'll be like, right, you've shown me a little bit, let's take it up a notch or let's take it two steps further. Um, And I think that's why I really like challenging kids, or really challenging students. I've always worked in really challenging schools. I've worked in a lot of inner city London schools and some of those students are not always the easiest to work with, but gosh, they're funny and gosh, seeing them change and seeing them make something of themselves is so amazing. It's extraordinary. Absolutely. How about about you? What's um, the best type of student to teach for you, Hannah?
0: I think I agree with Natalie when she was talking about, like you said, the students that have got challenges because it's nice to teach children who are compliant and attentive and hardworking, but there's not many kids who can uphold that for five hours a day, five days a week. And if every class was like that, I think I'd end up going insane because there's no banter. There's just nothing for you to be able to kind of, Enjoy and get a hold of. It's nice that there are students like that, and it makes you know the the learning environment more diverse. But I do prefer challenging students, and for me, there's two types of challenges. There's the ones that are behaviourally and emotionally, maybe socially challenging, and those students, like you said, it's really nice to watch them grow and keep just keep trying to build those relationships with those students, and it is really rewarding once they you get them on side and. You know, they feel like you're the teacher that really brings them out and helps them progress and things like that. It's, an, it's nice as a teacher to hear that. But I also like the students who are academically challenging as well. So you've got for me in a subject where I teach music, I am an expert, I like to think, <laughs> in one instrument. So I, I trained in the organ and that's the instrument that I feel I'm the best at. But there are other students in school who are best at other instruments because that's their specialism. So we've got loads of students over the years who've been amazing. And we've had a student who's brilliant, a brilliant brass player. This student knows everything about brass instruments. And I had a year seven and this student uh, both in an orchestra together. And the year seven's trumpet just kept breaking. And as a non-brass specialist, (laughs) I was like, what am I going to do with this student? I don't know how to fix this instrument and I don't know, I don't know what to do. And as a teacher, it's probably a bit of an ego thing to turn around, and, you know, maybe you don't want the students to know that you're not all all knowledgeable about this, you know, this particular thing, but I don't mind just saying, hey, um, Tom, or what we'll call him Tom, can you do me a favor and help this student because I don't know why that trumpet's not working and brass isn't my thing. <laughs> so after that experience, After that student, you know, that student is very academically challenging for me because I don't understand a lot about brass. After that encounter, it helped me to understand a lot more about the workings of a brass instrument, how to look after it, how to clean it, how to manage that that instrument. And then I could help other students further down the line because that student's left now. And, you know, I can help all these other students with that issue, with that instrument. It's great. But. I would never have learned that if there weren't children who were better than me at certain things. And I think as a teacher, to embrace that is quite difficult to admit that you don't know everything. It's quite hard and you think it's going to be a, a negative, but actually we're all human. We, we're all, we've all got our limitations and that was something that has now helped me in the future because I've learned from that student and passed it on. So yeah, the two types of students academically and maybe behaviourally and socially challenging are my favourite.
1: I love seeing a student who's better than me. And I know that they think that we don't love that. But for me, if they can draw better than me, I'm always so impressed. And I love when a student can show me something that I don't already know, because then it means your learning is, it's dual learning, isn't it? And that's so powerful.
0: Especially for the student, because they must feel quite special because they're more knowledgeable in something than the teacher and it gives them a bit of a boost and makes them feel good. So, yeah, I think it's a really good thing. I don't know whether that happens in other subjects as much because music and art is so diverse because there's so many different specialisms that as a teacher you train and you're focusing on one specialism, but obviously as you become, uh, as you teach for longer periods of time, you become more generalist and you know about a lot more things, but there's still things to learn and, you know, I'll never stop. That's why I love being a teacher because it is about learning all the time. And that's probably why we're all so tired, (laughs) because we're learning new things all the time.
1: (laughs) Always trying to learn new things. (laughs) So true, so true.
0: (laughs) So, Kath, what is your classroom pet peeve?
1: Do you know, for years it's been bottle flipping. And... I really cannot stand bottle flipping mostly because I have seen a student flip a bottle of Luca's Aid and then the top came off and like splattered all over GCSE and A-level artwork and I did lose my temper. But I think the new one is when they get their water bottle, like a water bottle, and they stick a compass in the top and drink out of the top. And I think what is the point of that? Because you've now rendered the lid useless. Um, but I did have a student... So in these COVID times, um, I have to clean after every student leaves my classroom at the moment. So that because my I change bubbles every lesson, um, so I have to clean everything between lessons. And this student knocked over an entire bottle of juice the other day, and he honestly looked at me like I was mad. And I thought, you 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 don't have to clean this up, because I can't give you the things to clean it with. But you expect me to clean it up and you just don't seem bothered by it. So that yeah, the compass in the top of a, I don't understand it. It just seems like the most illogical why did why would you do that?
0: I remember when I was younger in primary school it was, there was these little cartons and you get a little it's not like a calypso or anything. It's it's a it's not in a metal carton, it's like a plastic carton and it's got plastic film over the top and you jab your straw in and you drink it that oh. way. And I remember in primary school, it was cool (laughs) to chew the bottom. So to turn it upside down and chew the bottom, uh, a little hole in it, and you'd you'd drink it from there without the straw. And I remember my teeth were just not strong enough to bite that hole. And I was gutted because everybody else was doing it that way. (laughs) Just looking back now, you think, why? Why was that a thing? Why did it even bother me?
1: We have um, like the juice cartons, but we call them poppers in Australia. So you get a popper in your lunch.
0: Yeah, don't say that and, in uh, in England.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, no. But we used to, well, I think the reason they were called poppers is you would like blow them up once you finished your drink and then jump on them, which now as an adult, I get why that's so ridiculous. But at the time, we're like, whoa, look what we did. <laughs>
0: kids just find new ways to annoy adults in every possible way
1: every generation has a new way of annoying adults (laughs) so Hannah what's your classroom pet peeve
0: mine is a messy classroom I there's just no reason there's no reason why you can't just put things back where it belongs and I remember Emily was talking about this and her pet peeve was headphones Uh, Mm. um for me it's when the chairs are untucked. It doesn't matter how messy everything else is. If the chairs are not tucked under, for me, it makes my classroom look more uh, look more messy. So um, a friend of mine once told me that it's important to have a quirk as a teacher and the quirk will be remembered by students and and all the eager ones will uphold it. So I've got a lovely little year seven student who every at the end of every lesson, I'm like, please switch your chairs under it just drives me crazy if you don't tuck your chairs under and this one year seven goes around at the end of the lesson and tucks them all under for me because you know Aww. he's just like that it's so cute and every lesson I make a big deal of it and they all know what to expect and hopefully they'll remember to do that and it might be a little niggle I know yeah hopefully it might be a, a little niggle. And it's not it doesn't really annoy me that much but the children think it drives me crazy so they're all like oh you better tuck your chair under otherwise she's gonna go
1: mad <laughs> mm. do you know if something's gonna really annoy me i sometimes like start twitching with one eye <laughs> i usually only do it with the older students but i do like a little weird like <laughs> i don't know why but my eye won't stop twitching because you're doing that thing um and i change it up just so that they think i'm a little bit mad i think as an art teacher you can always like kind of teacher on the edge of madness and um, it makes kids a little bit scared of you.
0: <laughs> speaking of that it used to really you know when you've asked a class to be quiet and they they're not quiet and you don't want to shout because I've heard um different kind of versions of this but if you call out names they're going to think you're always on them and it's not just one person speaking so you don't want a single one person out so what I do is I make visual gestures so I might do my countdown and if it's not working I stand there and go and bite my fist and I put my hand on my hip and I have this pained look on my face which is really hard to do in a mask <laughs> but yeah it used, it used to work pre-COVID um, and you'd bite bite my <laughs> bite my knuckle and the kids would go oh she's really annoyed and they'd all stop really kind of quickly because
1: <laughs> <laughs> again music teacher teetering on the edge of madness <laughs>
0: I know, yeah, they must be like, oh, I'm not going to uh, talk in that lesson again because she's a bit
1: crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. I love that.
0: <laughs> so what do you do to look after your mental health or unwind at the end of a tough day?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, one of the big things that I've been doing since lockdown um, is I've been trying to really look after my physical health. And I think that's been really important to me um, because I think before i kind of had very good intentions of doing exercise but i never quite got there um so i spent a lot of time on lockdown trying to find the right exercise for me i have a i have a bunch of injuries so i can't go running and i can't do impact of any description and I had all these grand plans of doing loads of swimming this year um but that won't be happening <laughs> i've even got like swimming caps and goggles and new swimwear and it's going to take my steps on out and we were really excited about swimming together and uh, that won't be happening for some time now. So um, I found these YouTube videos called Mad Fit and I absolutely love them. They're the longest is 30 minutes and I'm always like I can find 30 minutes in my day and sometimes if I haven't slept well I get up early and do the stretching ones that are just kind of like yoga and I just feel better for it. Um, so that's really really helped me um she's on Instagram and YouTube by the way I think they're amazing like the shortest ones are like 10 to 15 minutes so everyone has 10 to 15 minutes in the day and I just think that's really cool um I can't think what else oh I took up Xbox which is really (laughs) random I thought it was gonna be something
0: something like really massive that I took up Xbox.
1: (laughs) Xbox. Well, I've always been really anti kind of console games. And um, so my stepson's really into Lego Xbox games and sometimes he really struggles. So I've been helping him out loads and we end up spending loads of time watching videos on how to complete levels if we can't do it together and watch videos together, then we play together. And I actually find it really relaxing and I kind of now understand where some of our male students are coming from I am like I actually really enjoy this um I don't like first person shooter or like really violent games the Lego games are probably my level but I'm I weirdly am intrigued why that's helped me (laughs) but yeah um that and gardening I did a lot of gardening over lockdown and over the summer um with very varied success <laughs> so next year I kind of know what we're going to plant what we're not going to plant there are some things that I'm literally like go grow 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 and they literally came to nothing so oh. um, that was a bit sad well our tomatoes have just started fruiting but they're never going to go red because it's just far too late in the season <laughs> so maybe I can make some green tomato chutney or something so, yeah, there are all the things that I've been doing recently with, for my mental health. But before that, it was always drawing. Um, so it's interesting how that's kind of changed because of lockdown. Yeah. How about you, Hannah? What do you do for your mental health or to unwind after a difficult day?
0: So I got into really bad habits before lockdown. And my really bad habit is going to B&M bargains.
1: <laughs> so
0: I would go after work to B&M bargains. And I don't know whether you've ever heard of Mrs Hinch. But I used to watch her videos, and there was a portion of time, a few months before lockdown, where you couldn't get hold of this wonder product called Zaflora. And Zaflora is like a disinfectant and it comes in loads of different scents. And I became obsessed with it because it does everything. You can, you know, I've seen a clean, the floors with it. She cleaned surfaces with it. She puts it down her drains to make the drain smell nice. She even rubs it raw on her radiators. And so every time the heating comes on, the house really smells like amazing. And you can get it oh, in wow. loads of different scents. It's, I know, I can't believe you've not heard of it. It's my obsession. So <laughs>
1: before... You have tried to get me onto these cleaning things before. <laughs> we have talked about this over cake and I believe I called you a weirdo. <laughs>
0: hey, if millions of people in the country agree with me, I can't be the only weirdo. That's true, that's true. (laughs) So yeah, I was obsessed for a time finding all these scents because it all sold out because people were just obsessed with it. So, um, I used to go (laughs) travel, travel around the B and M bargains around my area on the way home from work and see if I could find them. And if I couldn't find the different scents, then I'd just be like, Oh, never mind. I'll just get some biscuits or I'll just get some, something else. So my favorite biscuit is Viennese melts, which are like chocolate biscuits. And I'd just eat that in the car on the way home. So that was my previous thing to do to unwind. And it, you know cleaning and eating biscuits <laughs> i mean what's not to like <laughs> but it wasn't very good for me so throughout lockdown i wasn't able to go out i didn't want to go out i didn't want to go to the shops so i, I wasn't able to get my difference of fluorescence <laughs> and i wasn't able to eat chocolate biscuits because when we did the shopping i purposefully don't buy snacks because i know that i'll just sit there doing zoom calls speaking to children eating chocolate biscuit after chocolate biscuit because I can't just eat one I have to have the whole packet so so instead of doing that I started going out at lunchtime and I bought myself a bike after three months of being on the Halfords website and they were all sold out I finally managed to get a bike and Because of all the money that I saved from not buying Zaflora and chocolate biscuits, I've now now got savings. Woo. Yay! (laughs) Imagine how much money I was spending on that beforehand if now I've got a savings account. (laughs) That's mad. That's So, so mad. So now my new obsession that makes me feel good is going out on bike rides with my husband after work. And we'll just talk about my day because he's not in work at the moment. And we'll talk about all the stuff that's been going on with me and then all the things that he's been doing, which is really nice. And then all our plans for the future. And I'm checking my savings account every week, (laughs) making sure that I'm still putting stuff in there. So actually lockdown has been quite good. Um, I also taught myself how to play the cello because string instruments are the instrument that apparently is quite hard to learn. But it's also it's great for me to understand it so that I can teach it to students, especially you know if students can't afford to have lessons. At least I know the basics of each in each string instrument, and I can give them some basic lessons so that they can take it forward themselves. Because you know instrument lessons are expensive. So I thought, right, well I'll, I'll teach myself that because I've tried brass instruments and my mouth isn't built like that. I think it's called the embouchure or something like that. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> and that. that. yeah I can't do that
1: the the hole that you do with your mouth
0: yeah it's just not possible Um, not for long periods of time and then I tried I used to play the flute Uh, I tried to get a reeded woodwind instrument and I just can't make a noise my cheeks puff out but nothing happens there's no sound so well yeah so I thought I'll just learn a string instrument and that's been really good actually playing music because I enjoy it and want to learn it instead of playing music to learn a song that the kids have asked me to learn (laughs) yeah that's really irritating like a Justin Bieber thing or a TikTok thing you know so you know doing music for me instead of doing it for work has been a massive a massive drive you know helped me to unwind but obviously now we're back in work everything's busy again so I'm relying on the bike rides and the saving money
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, before lockdown, I did also used to play ukulele to make myself a little less stressed. Because I always find when I play the ukulele, it's so happy. You can't be mad if you've played a ukulele because like, ding, 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 ding. And you're like, I'm so happy now. Um, <laughs> and it's so easy to learn. If someone wanted to teach themselves an instrument, it's quite user-friendly, isn't it?
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I really like the ukulele. And there's a cute kid on YouTube. He's about five years old and he's playing I'm Yours. And he's, if you, I'll put it on in the uh, links in the show description. But it is the cutest video I've ever seen. And he's singing it as well. And he can barely, you know, barely speak because he's quite young. And uh, it's just, it's just so cute. So it's accessible for anyone. It's so easy. Anyone can make a good sound out of it. The only difficult thing with the ukulele is tuning it.
1: (laughs) Oh, I got a tuner for mine, so I didn't have to do it by ear. Because when I play, I get so little time, I just literally clip my tuner on, tune it really quick, and then it's good to go. But it does untune itself quite quickly. Yeah. Particularly when it's new, it takes a long time to kind of sort itself out.
0: Yeah, but it's definitely a great instrument to start with.
1: Mine's a, a Les Paul replica, so it looks more like a guitar because <laughs> I didn't want one of those cheesy ukuleles. So I kind of wanted to look a little, you know, rock god with my ukulele. So... It's too small.
0: It just makes you look like you've got big hands. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I do love it. It's such a beautiful little instrument. It's very cool. So this
0: is the this is the difficult question, I think, because this you can only pick oh, one yeah. thing one thing so what's one thing you would change about education
1: oh gosh do you know so many of our guests have talked about things and i've gone yes that or yes that and it's um yeah it's really i think for me there are two things that i kept thinking about like one of them was funding but i actually think In all honesty, the thing that I want to change, particularly in UK education, is I want the people making decisions about education. I want them to listen to people who actually educate. Because I feel that there's like this massive disconnect between the people who make the decisions and write the policies and decide what we do and the people who are doing it. Because once they've made the decision, it becomes what we have to do, it becomes law essentially. And then when we try to implement it, we go, this doesn't work. <laughs> and I just don't understand why there's not more communication or why the people who are affecting policy aren't listening to the people who are actually doing it. Because all the people that I work with and all the teachers that I've worked with over the years, they're all professional, they're trained, um, they have degrees, you know, they're educated people. They have these understandings. A lot of them have done things like psychology and understand the psychology of working with young people and understanding how to, you know, disseminate information to them or get them to learn in a more effective way. And it feels like the policymakers put all these barriers in our way where we go, well, that won't work. And I think that that, until that changes, until there's this really good information flow between government and educators, I think the education system is never going to improve in this country. Um, and I think it's really sad because I think there are so many incredible teachers in the UK that I've worked with, that I've met, that I've heard stories about, that we've met on the podcast. And I think, why why, do all, why are we all saying the same things? <laughs> but the people who decide what we're doing aren't listening to them, and that makes me sad.
0: Do you think that that is a tactic or do you think that they're not listening because they don't, they're just not hearing us?
1: I think it's twofold. I think, first of all, they don't understand it because they've never actually physically been in a classroom. And I think it's a lack of understanding of how what they're putting in policy will be put into practice. So I think that's the first barrier. If you don't understand what it's like to stand in a classroom over a long period of time and watching things like progress over time, because even that's changed since I've been in the UK so much. And every time they change it, it just seems to make less and less sense. And I think if they actually knew, because, you know, as teachers, we know progress is not linear, but then they brought in this progress system that has to be linear. (laughs) And you're like, well, we know that it's not linear. We know that kids like, go up and down with their learning and some students have a good year and some students have a bad year and none of the education seems to take that into account. So I think that's the first problem is that they haven't actually done it. So they don't know how it translates into practice and I think the second one is political. I think that when it comes to education it's more important for government policy makers to listen to the media and to parents than it is to listen to teachers because their voice is louder than ours and um, actually before the podcast Hannah and I were talking about you know why is there so many people saying things but we don't get heard it feels like in the media what we're trying to say isn't always being represented and it's always like some sort of really negative or blame culture in the media, so then that seems to affect policy, which doesn't make any sense. Because what do the media know about being in a classroom, apart from being educated themselves? And I think, particularly with the education industry, people all went, everyone went to school, so they've all got an opinion about how education works, and they think that how education works now is the same way as it was when they were at school, and that's not necessarily true.
0: It's definitely not true. Definitely So they'll be
1: like, oh, I remember in my day there was that teacher that threw a book at my head. Well, we don't throw books at kids' heads. It just doesn't happen. Or it'll be, oh, my favourite teacher was that teacher that built a boat in the DT department. And, you know, things like that don't happen anymore. Um, The one that I always hear is, uh, you know, teachers take smoke breaks and smoke weed in offices. I'm like, I don't even know a teacher that smokes, first of all. Second of all, you would never get away with smoking on site, ever. We have to be so professional in everything we do. And it does feel like we have to be so morally responsible in our own lives, as well as in the classroom. We can't do anything in our personal life that shows any form of mistake. And we're held up to such high esteem, but we're not respected. And that, that's a really weird thing to reconcile for me.
0: Yeah, there was, um, somebody's leaked on Twitter, some rules that uh, teachers set for their staff and a letter that they sent home to parents. And this head teacher had sent a letter to parents saying that the reason why the COVID infection in their school is so high is because all of their staff went to a party. And I thought, first of all, staff were able to do that at the time. The The laws and the guidance from the government said that they were able to do that. And unfortunately, they've caught COVID there and they've brought it into the school. That's unfortunate. But to expect staff to then not have a social life at all, even though the guidance says that they can do certain things, is unacceptable. Some members of staff were told if um, they weren't allowed to go to the pub when the pubs were open. And some members of staff were told that they should not be going to certain places. They shouldn't be at, at, at certain times. And I just think if you want a member of staff to dedicate their life to their job, that's a big ask, because there's Mm. no other profession that asks that of somebody at all.
1: Unless you're like a priest. Well, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But even then, you know, God forgives, apparently, so.
0: (laughs) But I mean, even priests are allowed to go to the pub, they might not be able to drink.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Was it the... Oh, I can't remember. You know the wine that you have when you have communion. Oh yeah, I should know that, but I don't know what it's called. Um, yeah, no, it's really interesting because what you said—it's been leaked on Twitter. I've read this same letter, and I—it made me really furious, actually. Um, but that's the kind of story that then gets leaked into the media. And then everyone's like, oh, look at those teachers having a party. And then it will go straight back to the government and they'll be like, well, that's the story we've got. All teachers are breaking COVID rules. All teachers are putting our children in jeopardy by going and drinking at people's houses. And then we'll be banned from doing that as well. And that, I do feel like that's how policy is made here is that a story comes out. It's quite extreme everyone gets outraged about it and then that becomes the truth and then that's how our policy is formed for education and I think that's why some of some of the things that are happening or some of the policies or expectations of teachers that are becoming normalized are so crazy and I think it's not sustainable and at some point something's going to give it's going to be a mass exodus from the profession or it's going to be a massive strike I don't know what it's going to be but something at some point is going to have to give in this industry definitely that was quite ranty sorry everyone (laughs) (laughs) very passionate about it um so Hannah what's the one thing you would like to change about education
0: I find this question really difficult because mine would be similar to what you've said, but it encompasses lots of things. So mine is the way that the government treats the profession as a whole. So that instead of talking about COVID, because we've already spoken about that, I'll talk about funding. And I know you mentioned before that you were going to speak about that, but I think the allocation of funding to schools has been reduced so much over the years and there's loads of different funding formulas that the government's talked about and lots of different strategies that they've put in put in place in uh, inverted commas um, but none of them have actually had a positive effect on schools so I've looked on um, epi.org.uk and the quote from there says the current school funding system is progressive more money is allocated to disadvantaged schools than those in more affluent circumstances and so that's that sounds like a, a really great party line, doesn't it? We're ploughing our money into disadvantaged areas to support those children who need it most, and yet, and this is the next quote: the proportion of local authority maintained secondary schools in deficit has almost doubled from fourteen point six percent in two thousand nine to two thousand ten to twenty eight point three percent in two thousand eighteen to nineteen, and the. Pro- oh my God. I know, and the proportion of primaries in deficit has risen from five point seven to seven point nine percent over the same period. So, while the government are claiming to plow more money into disadvantaged schools, actually, the numbers of schools in deficit, which means that their budget, then they can't balance the books that they're in the minus figures, has almost doubled. How can that happen if they're giving us more money? Mm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, looking at school and the importance of school the government and the public surely know that if you've got great schools you're going to have great workers your economy is going to be better you're going to have better in every aspect scientists doctors nurses even you know sometimes we say to students i've heard it before when i was younger people have said to us well you don't want to work in mcdonald's actually some of these children without qualifications can't work in a place like that because they Mm. are quite strict on their on their um entry Hiring policies, yeah. Yeah. So if you've got a brilliant education system, your society is going to be better. Surely. Surely the government know this. And surely they know that the funding is actually a ceiling. It's a it's a ceiling that we, we can't break ourselves. And as teachers, particularly, because obviously as a teacher, you're on the front line and you're seeing the the what's happening with all these cuts and things, then you know that these students are really being disadvantaged by the fact that we haven't got enough money. And it's not money like I want to throw money around and take us all on a nice trip. It's It's money like to keep the lights on, to keep the yeah. heating on. If the boiler breaks to pay for a new boiler. I was reading a story today on the Metro and it appalled me that in this school, it's a primary school. They can't afford to fix the fan in the kitchen, which means they can't have hot meals for students. And this has been going on oh, for a long goodness. time. I know. And um, in this primary school, there's pictures of things falling down. There's pictures of uh, the boy. The boilers broken. So the kids are all sat in the school with coats on. And how, how can you learn in that environment if that's a disadvantaged school or if it's a school where, you know, I know disadvantaged is a catch all. And I, I don't particularly like that term, but any school that's not acceptable and the parents have started a petition or a committee to try and raise money to fix the school but actually what they need because the building was built in the 1900s is a new school why did building schools for the future stop because there are plenty of schools that I know of that are not fit for purpose some have quite a lot have asbestos in quite a lot have buildings that are either falling down or or dangerous some of them have Buildings that aren't really supposed to be permanent buildings. Some
1: teachers Oh, the teach... temporary buildings yeah. that have been in schools for 20 years. I mean, that in itself is disgusting.
0: And it's not I mean, you can say that as a as a teacher, and parents won't understand the gravity of what that means. That means no no heating really, especially during oh. COVID. If you're working in a metal building, a porter cabin and you haven't got any heating because all your doors and windows are open because of covid imagine how cold your children are in that room it's not a great environment for learning i've you know children can't even pick up a pen and write because they're so cold it's not it's not acceptable you wouldn't accept it in the workplace then these children i've got nobody to speak for them but their teachers and when their teachers are crying out and their head teachers are crying out to the government saying we need money for basics and the government's turning around and saying no why is that why are they not able Mm. to you know to this whole marcus rashford thing where he you know he was saying that these students who are unable to or the parents who are unable to pay for school dinners throughout place you know times like lockdown and all, all the times why are we not having a national program for those students who can't afford to eat and boris had voted against it but as soon as yeah. Marcus Rashford came and said, you know, this is really important. All of a sudden we found the money.
1: And mm. it, it magically appears because it becomes a media issue. Yeah, it shouldn't just take a celebrity to highlight those no.
0: issues. It should just be that the government wants to do the right thing. So um, I've been looking a lot about funding and apparently... Um, There was a fact here from, it was from The Guardian. It said, building repairs and the removal of asbestos, according to The Guardian, um, one in six schools requires urgent repairs. One in six. So, you know, it's just just awful. It really does get me, it gets me really riled that as a teacher, whenever you mention money, people scoff and, you know, you must get loads of money. But actually... Even things like the teacher pay rise, which wasn't a lot. It's coming out of existing budgets. So those schools are already in deficit because they're not getting any more government funding. They're not getting any of that extra money from the government to pay those teachers that extra, extra amount of money It's coming straight out of the budget. So not only might that school be struggling to keep the heating and the lights on, but now they've got to pay those teachers extra because it is a requirement and that might mean that they can't afford books or they can't afford to pay the phone bill or you know whatever it is and I just think sorry about my rant rant, but I just think it is appalling that we are failing children just because the government have cut funding continuous continually over the past 10 years and I don't know what it used to be like because I've only been in education for 12 years but it has got incrementally worse as we've gone on i think
1: i have watched people like i worked in schools oh gosh when i i arrived in 2003 to the uk so i've been working in schools since then and i can i've watched these budgets diminish over time i mean art budgets were never huge but things like budgets for enrichment budgets for after school clubs um, paying stuff overtime, trips, like who does trips anymore? Because you absolutely can't afford them. But I think parents need to and people, members of the public should actually check what children are getting. Because if they actually look at the, I can't remember if it's a physical, fiscal, fiscal um, amount, but you can actually go on a tracker and it tells you how much per child your local school has so it tells you per head what they get, and I think a lot of people would be shocked because I know for my students I get like one pound seventy per student at the moment, and whereas like three years ago, because I always work it out per head anyway, um, three years ago it was three pound fifty per student for art, which isn't a lot anyway, but one pound seventy is ridiculous. And I often want to just, you know, give one pound seventy to a parent, and say, right, go buy a year's worth of art supplies with that and then tell me I'm doing a bad job. <laughs> because it's so difficult what we're trying to deal with at the moment. I totally have run my departments for the last 10 years based on donations and generosity from local stores that are shutting down or people who have art equipment at home that have donated it or you know businesses that have offcuts that has helped me so much but those places are disappearing now so um, I don't know what it's going to be like in a couple of years probably going to just draw in the air with our finger.
0: But I think the subjects that suffer the most are the ones that are non-core and the mm. non-core ones tend to be the most expensive. So if you look at something like DT, they would require to have the proper equipment for whatever subject, whatever material they're working with. So even if they do woodwork with all years every week for the for the whole of the duration that they're in school, that's the machines to cut it, the machines to shape it, um, the tools to, to cut it manually, and the clamps and the tables and then on top of that it's buying the wood it's buying the materials that you need to continually replenish because once a kid's made something out of wood you can't just reshape it into another thing no exactly so if the government want these subjects to run then they need to you know put the money in into it music in particular is so underfunded and it's becoming quite elitist so if you're able to afford instrumental lessons then And you're able to afford your own instrument then you can become um quite accomplished on an instrument and it you know there's so many ways that music benefit i'm not going to go into the details but you know it's it's so important for education for students to have access to good quality music education yet all they're getting is once a week in most Mm. places and i think that's that it's just appalling that unless you're rich or your parents have got enough disposable income to to afford it you're not able to access the amazing things that those richer people can afford and mm. why why are children being discriminated against based on their on what they can afford because let's face it schools haven't got the budget to pay for instrumental lessons for every student you know if you want to learn something as as cheap as a ukulele that's 15 pounds for the ukulele which is great but then that's 7 pound 50 a lesson once a week what parents got yeah. that money once a week and then you know, if you want to learn something that's a bit, more, uh, a bit more expensive, you're looking at, I don't know, a guitar's 100 quid, a saxophone's 220 pounds, a cello's 250. All these instruments, some of them are actually dying out. The RNCM, the Royal Northern College of Music, have got a program running for extinct, extinct instruments. So things like the double bass, who plays the double bass? Uh, the bassoon, Aww. all these instruments, the oboe, they're all kind of dying out because Number one, parents can't really afford to pay for instrumental lessons. And probably number two, kids want to play the drums and guitar. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, you True. know, I, I'm teaching. Um, I've been teaching for 12 years and I've taught two children who can play the double bass in my whole 10 years. And they're both in the same year group and it's both at the same school. So it it's a shame. It's a massive shame. We're losing a lot of our culture and a lot of our heritage and our traditions because... Schools can't afford to continue them. I'm I'm expecting the same thing with art because you've got a lot of equipment, haven't you?
1: Oh God, um, I can afford nothing this year. But I think even from a non-art perspective, the thing that has really bothered me about the budgets currently is that we, again, had this disconnect between what's happening in the classroom and what governments are deciding we're gonna do. So they've said we have to do online learning. They've said we've got to make our classrooms safe. But they've given us no money to do that, so our re- we're losing resources to actually teach because that money now has to go into buying hand sanitizer, spare masks for students, cleaning products, um, IT equipment like headphones and microphones. Um, it might be software so that teachers can work from home. It might be laptops. There's all these things that they're expecting without actually giving us anything to meet that expectation, and that
0: yeah, it just really makes me mad. (laughs) Yeah, I think think it's something that I don't know what we can do about, but teachers need to start doing something about it. I don't know what's happening at the moment, but it's such an important issue. It needs to be raised Mm. because if it continues along this vein, particularly now we've got COVID happening, like you said, schools are spending that money on essential items like hand sanitizer, cleaner, cleaners, and Mm. gloves, things like that. And Suppliers are putting the the prices up because they can. So school, oh yeah,
1: <clears throat> you school. were telling me Hannah about the increase in the price of gloves. Yeah, so
0: gloves are going up. So last week they were let's say eight pound for a box of gloves. This week they're ten pounds. And when our when we when we speak to our suppliers, the suppliers are saying things like, "Well, it's just supply and demand. It's just capitalism."
1: <laughs> well, you heard about all those teachers being all anti-capitalist, so. I wonder why.
0: <laughs> Maybe it's because I now can't afford to buy pens for my class. I have to spend it on gloves.
1: <laughs> it's so true. Oh, it's so true. Um, do you know, if the government does want to be make us all pro-capitalism, they've got to make schools benefit from capitalism because, you know, we don't have any money and the teachers are paid, haven't been paid pay rises in such a long time. So what is the benefit of capitalism to us? And um, the other thing about um, cap- anti-capitalist teachers that I really, really love is if you do look at socialism, it's all about equality and making sure everyone's on the same playing field. and. It doesn't matter how much money you earn, you still get the same quality of education, which I think at the heart of it, teachers aren't necessarily socialist. They're just, they care about their kids and they do want things to be equal. But if we were capitalist, we'd literally like walk out at three and be like, I'm not doing a club unless you pay me. <laughs> um, there'd be no school productions. There'd be no sporting events on weekends. There'd be there'd be nothing because teachers would just do what they were paid for.
0: It's so It's so true. All the teachers that I know are a hundred percent in it because they love it not for the money and because they want to change people's lives they want to transform those students and give us particularly the disadvantaged ones an opportunity to thrive and really do well for themselves and if you're in it for the money It just wouldn't it wouldn't work, I don't think. It's the
1: wrong profession for money, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, if if you know, they want us to be pro capitalism, give us give us a benefit from capitalism. If we work harder, give us more money. If we work harder, give us more resources. If our schools are doing well, give us some more money. Yeah. So that we can actually run our schools better. Or if we're not doing well, give us money so we can make it better. <laughs> just give us money. <laughs> give us money. <laughs> it is um kind of a big thing for um making our lives better as teachers unfortunately
0: yeah so to get us away from that really touchy subject oh yeah (laughs) very controversial yeah let's talk about covid
1: (laughs) yay let's talk about covid covid's amazing um yeah so this segment was supposed to be about survival stories from covid So I decided that I was going to go out there and try and find some really positive stories about what people have been doing and how they're getting through it. And I mean, I did read um, one teacher who was very, very positive, but not in a very productive way. Just saying things like, I love a new challenge and this has just created a new challenge. So I love every day. And I was like, that's not true. <laughs> I don't I don't think anyone at the moment is loving their job and I think it's okay if you're a teacher that's struggling at the moment or is a bit over it or is thinking about changing, retraining, rebooting, rethinking like the government told the arts people to do. Um, I think it's okay to feel like that and if you're not coping I think that's also fine. Um, so it kind of um, went on a little tangent because I did find quite a lot of people and I found this great quote from a teacher who was worried it's a lot of people saying what they're worried about and uh this is great i may be 0.5 worried about my ability to effectively teach online and i'm now 99.5 worried about potentially dying and <laughs> i think That's something that, um, again, our government's not really thought about. Um, And when people are talking about teachers in a really negative way, particularly parents or members of the public, um, I did read one that said teachers aren't going to work if we go into lockdown, they're just going to day drink. (laughs) I was like, do you know, at the moment I'm starting starting to think about day drinking. Um, But I know I wouldn't because it's unprofessional, but it's that whole if you're going to criticize us like that we're going to get we're going to be less likely to work harder um so there's a lot of stories like that and i bet there's loads of people thinking about i don't want to take the virus home to my family and worrying about things so here are some of the positives as positive as you can be during a covid time of um people finding ways to survive this very very weird time um my favorite one is I've been talking to lots of friends of mine, and it seems like going to bed at 8pm like you did when you were a child has become definitely a thing now, so everyone's in bed by (laughs) 8 Going to bed early and napping, I think Natalie was talking about napping as being really good for you, but it does seem like lots of teachers are exhausted, so take that afternoon nap. Do it. Are you a napper, Hannah? I am now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's half-term I am. <laughs> yeah, it
0: wasn't before, I am now. <laughs> I heard somewhere that um, teachers make more minute-by-minute decisions than brain surgeons. I don't know how true that is, but apparently that's why at the end of a day you're so mentally exhausted, because your brain has just been going at 100 miles an hour. And I think that's why I find exercise after work so difficult and before work because it's like too early but so I think that's why I do the bike riding because it means I can debrief like we've spoken about before and also do a bit of exercise otherwise I'm just sat on my bum all day
1: (laughs) yeah I do become like a zombie when I first come home from work I think my husband doesn't always understand it because I do come home and I'm like I just need to not talk for about half an hour because (laughs) I've been talking all day and I just want to not, I just want to sit in the dark and the quiet for a bit and then I can be a normal human being again. Yeah, definitely. Um, Another thing that I think has been really um, good during this time is that my discovery was scarf masks. They have changed my life. I haven't got a scarf mask on today. I've just got a mask that's been made for me, but it actually has a cord around the back so that I don't lose it so I can wear it all the time and just flip it up and flip it down but yeah I got some really nice scarf masks and I showed you Hannah and then you bought the exact same ones so we look (laughs) like we're matching (laughs) it's
0: such a good idea because I was finding that when I'd wear a mask and I would put it down somewhere I thought that's disgusting so to have the scarf mask on it means that you can just put it around your neck when you're not wearing it and it looks pretty and then you can put it back up but I don't know how good they are (laughs) because I went... I went in somewhere where you needed to wear a mask the other day um, into a medical place and they told me to take it off and put one of theirs on. So
1: (laughs) I think I might be doing myself
0: a bit of a disservice. So I might have to get some extra thick ones.
1: I'm not going to lie. Mine are absolutely feral at the end of the day, but um, I do find it's much better than having to try and find a mask because I'm really good at losing things. Yeah. So the idea of having something attached to me so I can just flip it up and flip it down is very useful to me. Um, but if I don't have to move around so much, mine doesn't get quite as gross. Um, but if I'm moving around and you're having to put it up and down a lot, it is quite disgusting. You are supposed to change them every four hours too. All right. Um, which um, I don't necessarily do. <laughs> I do, if I'm like coming home And then going to the shop, I will change masks because I think it's really gross otherwise. Another good one is moisturizing hand sanitizer Um, because my hands are destroyed. Like I have used so much hand sanitizer and cleaning products recently um, that my skin is it just feels like I don't even know what what to describe it it feels like rough bark on a tree it's just feral um so yeah moisturizing hand sanitizer there's loads of boots but the cheapest ones I found have actually been at Lidl and you can buy them for 79p a tube yes nearly as cheap as getting hand sanitizer um I don't use them all the time I kind of do a bit of hand sanitizer a bit of moisturizing hand sanitizer you know alternate um If anyone hasn't been on the Cleeps website, so Cleeps is um, a health and safety website for DT, arts, science, I'm not sure if it's PE as well, but they've given like loads of guidance of things that you can do. But if you are using lots of equipment and you're not really sure how to clean it, it has lots of suggestions, but immersion has been kind of a lifesaver for us. So we have... (laughs) is so gross we have old buckets from um, the canteen that were for mayonnaise (laughs) and when you see how massive those chubs are you'll never eat mayonnaise again so they're massive massive buckets and so we fill them up with hot water and fill them with antibacterial So it means that kids can just put equipment like scissors, for example, in there and it means they can soak and then we put them out to dry and it means that we don't have to quarantine them for a really long period of time. So we've been doing that with our paint brushes, rulers, scissors, anything we can actually put in the bucket, we will. If we can't put it in the bucket, it gets quarantined or if we need to do it quickly, we use like the antibacterial wipes. But yeah, go to your canteen, get some old buckets, and ask your cleaning staff. My cleaning staff are amazing. They sneak me cleaning products all the time. Um, Just get some of the flora. That's what I should do. I should go to PMA. It smells BMS. nice. <laughs> um, it turns out I'm allergic to a lot of um, the cleaning products we use at school because I've had like this permanent sneeze all half term. And we discovered it was when they were refilling the <laughs> anti-back bottles, I'd start sneezing. I'm like, oh my God, I'm allergic to it. Brilliant. <laughs> awesome the thing that's keeping me safe is making me sick awesome <laughs> so yeah i've got to be careful with perfume products um obviously taking antibacterial wipes everywhere you go is really handy but i've also seen like the aerosol spray so some of the stuff at my workplace um particularly if i've changed classrooms they have the spray at their desk so you can give everything a spray so i usually just lay out the mouse the projector remote the keyboard all in a row and just go Whoosh! give it all spray you have to leave it for a
0: minute apparently you have to leave it for a minute for it to work
1: All right that's interesting well yeah don't touch it afterwards I do it as I leave the classroom and then Uh put the spray back um so I think that's really cool um my school has given all the students a mini whiteboard um they didn't think about wipes for the whiteboard but I thought it was a really good idea because at the moment AFL is really really difficult so you're not always able to check if everyone understands it. And if you've got keynotes who are like literally hands up all the time going, I know the answer, I know the answer. And it's really easy to only ask them. So um, every student in our school now has a mini whiteboard, but lots of planners or logbooks have them in the back. And I think using those at the moment is a really good idea. Um, I gave my form because I hate my whiteboard dust. I don't know about you, Hannah, but mine gets really gross. And then all the bits of whiteboard crud end up all over my desk so every day (laughs) i'm like wiping down my desk and getting it off and i thought oh god imagine that in your bag so every student's got a poly pocket they can put their whiteboard in they've got their pen and then i cut them some colored felt (laughs) just because it's fun and gave them some colored felt so i think that's been a really good idea of something you can do so you can check on your kids um The other thing that I discovered that has made me really happy that has nothing to do with school is I have discovered alcoholic seltzers (laughs) and that's been one of my favourite drinks to enjoy at the end of a hard day. I don't know if anyone, if you haven't heard of them, they literally just look like um, sparkling water important pour it in i feel like i'm having a nice sparkling water on ice and they're flavored and it's like a flavored water but they have vodka in them and um yeah that's been um a really good thing for me but i've got to be careful because i was reading on the guardian that during this quarantine and lockdown time that there has been an increased addiction in the country um because people are kind of feeling lonely and things like that so i'm not suggesting that you you know go out and get hammered or become addicted but they were just such a really nice discovery for me and there's been a few other people like they've had a bad day at work and I've snuck them a seltzer and they've been like oh that was really nice I'm like no I know it feels like you're not even drinking alcohol not that we're drinking (laughs) at school disclaimer not at school (laughs) but um that has been really good for me specifically have you heard any things that have helped make these weird times easier Hannah?
0: So I've spoke to a lot of people, and I've canvassed to Twitter a lot, and there's loads of stuff all over Twitter that people are talking about, sharing ideas and things, which is great. Um, I've heard of a teacher who travels round to different schools, and they've bought themselves an air purifier with a HEPA filter. Oh. Um, I, don't, I can't remember what it, what the brand is called, but they've said that it does something like 12 rotations an hour so the 12 it cleans the air 12 times. I don't know how good they are my dad is an air conditioning engineer and he said maybe not so much if the filters don't get cleaned but um, it depends on how big the viral particles are so for those members of staff who might be traveling around and, and seeing lots and lots of students I think you know that there can only be it's not going to do something you know it's not going to do anything bad. Um, So I've I've heard of that but it is quite expensive to buy Um, and I know other teachers who are also traveling around different schools have been given shields by their music service which is great particularly because the guidance at the beginning said no brass, no woodwind, no singing so any teacher of those subjects was probably thinking oh no what am I going to do because if children aren't having lessons I don't get paid. So mm. I know a lot of music services have decided to build shields for their members of staff. So <laughs> there's a staff walking through the car park with a massive clear shield. You know what's, what instrument they play.
1: <laughs> oh, that's really good, though, because I, I would hate to think that there's kids that can't access their instruments or access music at times like this.
0: Yeah, particularly when that's one of the things, particularly through lockdown, that got a lot of children and adults through lockdown is the arts and the prominence i know it's a big thing at the moment because rishi sunak said that he thinks people should just retrain as if that's just dead easy <laughs> um but it's have you sucked...
1: done the, have you done the quiz the know rishi quiz? quiz um so you can go on and do um, on the government website and type in and answer all these questions and it'll tell you what job you should be in so i did it the other day because i thought do you know what? i want to see what it tells me to retrain as. And it said, for me to retrain as an artist. (laughs) And it's really funny because loads of the artist, arty people I know that have done the exact same thing have come up with the same thing. So his website's kind of flawed. That's really Well done, Rishi. (laughs) (laughs) I also saw a really, really good meme. I actually put it on my personal Instagram, but I'll chuck it on um, non-contact time. But it had that Fatima should retrain ad and then it had all of the arrows pointing to all the arts jobs that were required to make that ad in the first place and i was like well done well played well played whoever did that
0: i put that on twitter it was like one picture and about 10 different jobs were involved and the government have obviously paid those artists and creative people to make that advert to say, retrain, don't be an artist. It's like, yeah,
1: don't be a photographer, a graphic designer, yeah, a digital makeup artist, <laughs> makeup design, fashion design. Yeah, exactly. It's um, just I thought joke. that was brilliant. It is a joke, but
0: that, that's another annoying thing, but we won't go on to that.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I, I did a tangent and I said I wouldn't go on a tangent. <laughs> Hannah spends a lot of time editing these episodes because. Um, we go on attendance sometimes because we're friends as well as making the podcast together. We sometimes talk about irrelevant things and then Hannah has to do lots of editing, but we're not editing this episode. Ah. So,
0: you've just got what we've got and that is it.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: So, um, the next thing is I'm quite lucky because in my classroom I work in a, in a little block to myself. So, I've got a sink and all my kitchen facilities like a fridge and stuff so i'm quite lucky that i only have that for myself and i let other people sometimes come and use it but it's mostly mine so at every possible point just in case somebody comes in i've got wipes and spray everywhere um, <laughs> because I'm mega paranoid I don't want to bring this home to my family so I have got all those things in place I'm washing my hands after every lesson um, yeah. uh, which is you know helpful for me but I know some teachers aren't in a position where they can do that because some teachers are traveling around some teachers don't have access to sinks in between lessons and hand sanitizer just has to do so I've got a hand sanitizer as well I've also got a <laughs> tray full of moisturizer <laughs> Um <laughs> uh, do you know I was thinking when you were talking before When I used to work in a bar, we used to have an apron and in that apron it had to have things like matches, a candle, a pen, a pad. I think we should bring back the apron for teachers and have hand sanitizer, moisturizer, a supply of board pens, because I can never find board pens, even if I put it down in the same place every time it disappears. Um, and all these things that you think you're going to lose, I think we should bring back aprons. So I'm definitely going to bring one of those back. (laughs) I bought a
1: bunch of aprons before um, coming back to school so that I could do that very thing. Um, But also so that when I got home from work, I could take them off and tuck them in the washing machine but my classroom at the moment all the heating is on because obviously we've got to have our windows open and every heater in my room is on so putting another layer of clothing onto me just sounds like the most disgusting thing at the moment but when it gets a bit cooler i'm going to be putting that apron on and it will be going in the wash every day
0: well when i used to work in a bar we used to have just the lap aprons so it wasn't a full oh, thing yeah. so that was quite nice but i can't bring mine in because they all say grolsch on them so I don't want to wear that for work. But yeah, those that, that would be a good idea to have a little kit. I know a lot of teachers who are moving around have got those trolleys, which are great, uh, where they're moving around, they've got all the books in and stuff. Um, a lot of staff who are moving around are putting their books in the rooms in the morning, so all they're doing is walking around and logging onto computers. And that I think that's a brilliant idea because it yeah. means that you get all your work done in the morning, you're not carrying books around or lesson if you all day. And if you forget something, you're screwed pretty much. So in that instance, it's it's already there. So that's great. Um, but for me personally, I just avoid any crowded places. I'm not I'm not going out when I get home with anybody else, I'm not going anywhere. Um, and at school I'm not going into the staff room because even though there might not be many people in there I just I just don't need to so it's a shame because for my mental health and I find that speaking to people really helps so what I'm doing more of is this kind of thing where I'm zoom talking with my friends I'm part of a couple of Mm -hmm. whatsapp groups and it's not just teachers from my school it's teachers that I've worked with before and so that's quite useful to have that that support network and particularly to find out what's going on in other schools and it's broadly the same across all the you know all the people I'm speaking to it's broadly the same so it's nice to do that uh, because I'm not speaking to any adults in the day Uh, and all my windows and doors are open so I'm in school in thermals in a coat (laughs) and then I come (laughs) home and I have a shower (laughs) and that's you know that's my that's my day but aside from that things like Online teaching, I know at the very beginning, a lot of teachers were stressing about having to teach in person while simultaneously delivering an online lesson to somebody else. And that for me, I found a workaround. So what I'm doing at the moment is I've created for the term a list of video lessons that I've seen online. And I suppose it's great for me because there's a lot of stuff on music, which is really useful. Um, and lots of teachers over lockdown on Facebook have been posting all the videos that they've been making. I've been oh, making great, videos. That's great, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so what I'm doing is I'm creating. I mean, the video, the videos that I found. One of them is um, a guy teaching you how to uh, drum on a bucket to different songs. So he's he's created about six or seven songs, which is fantastic because that's one lesson a week for me. So I've set that for Year Sevens because that's what they're doing at the moment. They're drumming. So. I'm setting that as a video and then their kind of online learning lesson or their online task is to send me a video of them playing along to it. And oh, cool! I might not be able to watch them all because I teach 150 year sevens. Um, and that would, you know, a three minute song, that's a long time. But it means that they're doing something practical and I can just, oh, that must be you. <laughs>
1: That is, there is an ambulance going by, sorry. <laughs> it's
0: not me, I swear. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I can then set that as a, as a homework and they can send me what they've done. And I can watch a couple of, you know, maybe 10 or 20 seconds of the beginning, give them a bit of feedback of of that. And particularly with my key stage four, I'm just setting them stuff from the spec. So there's a brilliant person. I think it's called Hayes Music on YouTube. And she's basically made a video for every area of study. Um to do oh, with OCR, wow. GCSE music, and each one, I'll set the video as a as a task for them to do, and then I will either ask them to create a knowledge organizer around that topic, or I'll set questions on that are self-marking so that the students can see what they've got. So they're my cheats for online learning, so it's not it's not a massive task. All I've done is collated the videos into a Word document and I send that to the children every week. And then each week I'll say, this week you're on week number three, this week you're on week number five. And Mm. I don't have to write loads of words every time. So we do everything on Show My Homework or Satchel, I think it's called now, Satchel One.
1: Mm, Satchel One, I think. Yeah,
0: I can reuse it every week. So I'll just, the first week I'll type all the really intricate instructions and all my nice little messages for the students. Let me know how you're getting on, send me a video, this is how you create a video, all that stuff. And then I'll send the document across and I'll just reuse that the next week and change change it where it says do week five this week. I'll just change it to say do week six. And it's just easy to access for the students. It's so easy for me, it's like a template. So that's what I've been doing to survive online teaching as well as teaching in person, as well as teaching those who are isolating, as well as teaching full classes who are at home. (laughs)
1: We made um, booklets for our department and we've kind of got all every single worksheet we've ever made for each year group um, and put them together in a booklet um, and then tried to make some resources that weren't necessarily worksheet for them in a booklet. And we're now at the moment putting a web link for each one. So if we can't find the video for it, we're making a video, which is really time consuming, but where we can, we find a video that's as relevant as possible so that they can at least see those examples. But I think spending some time sitting down and finding good video content that students can actually access at home, because I know there is the option of, a. Um, National Academy, but it's not always appropriate for what you're teaching or it might not be relevant. For me, a lot of the equipment that they ask the students to use, our students just don't have. So that makes it quite difficult um so that's been really handy too I've done something very similar to you but I think I do need to kind of go week one here's a video week two here's a video you can watch this to help you and that'd be really helpful for them too yeah they can Good then idea. go through
0: it they can go through it themselves so I've had some students before during lockdown because I did a similar thing over lockdown mm. and some students would email me and say I've com- I, just, I set them 100 tasks I've completed it <laughs>
1: I was like, A hundred of them. What?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So then it would mean that I could then go into it and say, right, send me me a couple and we'll try and rework them and make them into something that's more comprehensive. Um, And often I'd found that they hadn't done a hundred tasks. They'd just done maybe (laughs) 10 seconds of one of them. (laughs) But yeah, I think, yeah. (laughs) Classic. (laughs) Having having that dialogue with the students as well. I think as part of our plan as a school, they want us to do Microsoft Teams, As part of, you know, not every lesson, but as part of one of the sequences. So I think one of the lessons I'm going to do is a Microsoft Teams of basically question and answer. Which, where are you up to? How did you get on with it? And what would you like me to support you with? Uh, Have you got any Hmm. questions about anything? And I think that instead of, because I can't do necessarily music lessons because I haven't got the equipment at home. So having that verbal dialogue with me and just a check in, even if it's just, you know how is the week going and how are you feeling and just talking to someone it's of benefit it, it might not be of uh, a, a music content benefit but it's definitely a relationship benefit and it's a benefit for that student to feel like they are um welcome back in class and we're looking forward to it and they've got something positive so yeah that's my that's my plan i like Hopefully that
1: I, I i think that's a really good idea for teams or, or a live lesson online um i want to i think when i do more online lessons I really want to reduce the amount of screen time because I just don't want students sitting in front of a screen all day because I know for my own stepson I don't want him sitting in front of an iPad all day if he's at home I want him actually doing things and experiencing things so a lot of the stuff that I want to do with students is to try and reduce that but I have to admit during lockdown if a student sent me a drawing (laughs) it had nothing to do with what I said could not be mad at them they're drawing i was pretty happy that they're actually drawing and it's really obvious now which kids have oh yeah worked and like practice their skill and those students who've done nothing and yeah for me if they're drawing and as parents if you're listening if you do, if your kids are doing art at home as long as they're drawing your te- your art teacher is going to be happy if you're sitting around going i can't do it i can't draw it then they're not going to be happy
0: fine yeah I think it's yeah. the same for music as well it's interesting looking at the before we came back in September looking at the responses and a lot of the government responses were there's loads of catch-up to do everybody's got, got deficits you know this is really important we've got to do this we've got to do that we've got to cram this and I was like ah how am I going to do all this yeah and exactly in September I arrived and you know quite a lot of the students have said I really enjoyed the tasks that you set me uh, some of them had said, oh, we've, I did extra work because you'd set me 100 tasks at tasks, and I was only, uh, you know, we were only expected to do 10. I can't remember how many weeks we were off, but it was ba- it was basically I've set a million more tasks than they should have done. Some, <laughs> of them, some of them really enjoyed it and just went through it and did a lot more. Yeah, great for their understanding and, and kind of knowledge build up. And then there was other students who did have instruments at home who just was like, oh, I taught myself the ukulele or I taught myself the guitar or oh,
1: my
0: mum you know, had a keyboard in the loft, so we brought it down. And it's just those things where those students have done exceptionally well and actually they are better off for it now. And we've got students who are further along than they would have been. And yeah. that's more than I could have ever hoped for because I was absolutely petrified that it would just be catch up. Everybody would be at different stages. And at the end of the day, you know, they've done it, they've done really well. I think a lot of the parents of the students that I teach have done so well to keep their child sane, to keep them doing things, to keep them, you know, upbeat. And they've come in come back into school and some of them are in such a better state than they would have yeah. been otherwise because they've done more music. Cause in for me students get music once a week and actually in lockdown some of them have been doing it every day so that's a massive massive you know bonus yeah
1: yeah yeah I'd agree with that I don't think we celebrate enough the skills that those students who worked hard during lockdown actually picked up there are students who have built their own resilience that have become more independent have taken more ownership of their learning because they understand that learning is actually down to them so well done students who did well over lockdown and you know those students are doing well learning online because to be able to learn online without your parents support or without your teacher's support shows such a tremendous amount of maturity absolutely definitely cool so let's talk about our upcoming episodes i guess Oh, actually, no, before we go to that, um, I was going to tell you my um, pupils causing concern quickly because I do have two funny stories. My first story actually happened today. I had a student say to me today, um, well, actually, it started with me saying, I'm going down to detention, Judy. Shall I walk you down? And he went, oh, I can't go to detention this afternoon, miss. And I said, oh, why is that? He said, because I've got a cup of tea waiting for me at home. (laughs) What? I'm sorry, what? (laughs) What? And I was kind of like, I don't understand. And then he went on to further explain it. And then I still really struggled to understand why he couldn't go to detention because he had a cup of tea waiting at home. But apparently every day when that child gets home from school, his parents sit down and have a cup of tea with him which i think is incredibly wonderful however he still didn't do his detention and then
0: (laughs) i wish that guy could use that excuse i'm sorry i can't come to the meeting or the parents evening or whatever it might be until seven o'clock tonight but i've got a cup of tea
1: at home (laughs) i've got a cup of tea at home um and then the second one happened earlier in the week i was teaching a lesson with a younger group of students And this boy started singing and I did say, I'm sorry, but there shouldn't be anyone singing and doing that thing where you're not trying to point them out and go, you stop singing. (laughs) Which is just a reminder, there shouldn't be anyone singing during the lesson. So then he started whistling. Uh, Just a reminder that we shouldn't have anyone whistling in the lesson. And I thought, you know, we're all over it now. Um, it ended with me having to ask him to uh, step outside the classroom after he started yodeling. Hannah. Oh wow, so, that's a skill. You know, yeah, I was quite <laughs> impressed, but I did think, really, I told you no singing, I told you no whistling. So, and that was my question. I told you no singing, no whistling. So why did you think yodeling was appropriate? And he went, yeah, I don't know. I just thought there'd be some noise I'd be allowed to make in this classroom. It's like, all right, <laughs> no, there's not. go back in and start working again (laughs) that's
0: my pet peeve let me go back to that pet peeve when you say to a student don't do something and they find something else to do that irritates you
1: (laughs) which is almost the same but not the explicit thing that you told them not to do like tapping don't tap with your pen so they'll tap with their finger or they'll tap with their ruler and you're like that's the same thing or when you say
0: to a student you just want it to be a very quick sharp stop talking and then they go but i wasn't talking i was whispering (laughs) I can't explain to you why that makes no sense but please
1: just stop it please stop it (laughs) um so we are going to talk about some upcoming episodes so in some future episodes we are talking to mr khan who is from anti-small talk podcast and he was really fun to talk to some really interesting opinions he's really not afraid to speak his mind and it was so lovely speaking to him we actually spoke to him well into the evening when we were Recording. That's going to be fun for you to edit, Hannah. Yeah. Um, we also talked to David Gumbrell, who talked to us about teacher resilience, um, and he has a book. So we might have um, a competition coming up where you can win a signed copy of his book, which is great. And um, we've also got some more well-being episodes on our on their way because I think at the moment well-being is so incredibly important for teachers because we are in possibly the one of the most stressful situations we will ever be in in our careers. So um, we've got some more ideas on how we can help you with your well-being. Also remember that if you are subscribing to our Patreon, you can actually watch this episode. So you can see me and Hannah making crazy facial expressions at each other because we do that quite a lot. And i just realized as we we're recording today how often we're like really waving our arms around and talking and you miss all that because you're just listening to us. Um, otherwise, you can listen to our episodes on um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, anywhere where you can get good podcasts. And make sure you share us with your friends so that they can have a listen too because a lot of our um, listeners have come through word of mouth. And we really do appreciate all the people who say nice things to us and to other people people about our podcast because it's really lovely to have feedback I mean when we get emails we get so excited and we message each other and we're like oh my god listen to this someone sent us this and um we really do appreciate it and thank you so much to everyone for listening we really really do appreciate it we love making the podcast
0: I've got a question well something to oh, say oh yeah got a question <laughs> so the other day um, um somebody sent me a message about Uh, a podcast episode that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago and we were speaking about staff well-being and we were talking about the ABCD that I've heard before uh, being used in another school so that above and beyond the call of duty and yes we've had some messages saying we're going to use that in our school so that was really nice
1: oh that's really nice oh that's really cool feedback that's great to hear that people are actually putting some of our not our strategies, but strategies we've shared. It's not like we invented them. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> it was me, I invented it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's so lovely to hear that in uh, happening in schools and things. Um, do you know what you haven't asked me, Hannah? Oh, I realise yeah. there's a question you've missed.
0: What, who's your favourite teacher?
1: Who's my favourite teacher? Because I said I wasn't going to answer it until today's episode, so we'll finish on that today. So my favourite teacher, I am cheating, there are three and they're for three completely different reasons Um, my first one is my art teacher from high school Miss Illingworth she was amazing Um, she created this incredible safe space in the art room and I would imagine anyone that's been taught by her would talk about how safe she makes you feel and how welcome she makes you feel and she just has this really lovely personality that makes you feel like she's your mate even though there's boundaries obviously um she made me feel like i could do art and that i could do anything and helped build my confidence so much so miss illingworth is the reason i went to art college and pursued art and i'm really really grateful to her and i don't think i've thanked her enough Um, she also gave me my first teaching gig out of teachers college because she went on long service leave there's a thing called long service leave in australia teachers in the uk so after seven years you get like three months off or something
0: what yeah i know what What? (laughs) why did you not tell me this
1: we've Um, spoken about
0: australia so many times
1: Yeah, so you get long service leave every seven years. Um, So she was taking her long service leave and gave me a call and said, do you want to take over my job for three months? So I did. And it was very weird because it was my high school. Um, But it then led to another job, which led to another job. And had she not done that, I probably wouldn't have ended up in lots of other jobs afterwards. But um, the funniest part of doing her job was um, we kind of have similar hair. It's very curly and brown and Um, things like that. And I think we're both quite friendly. Apart from that, she's definitely a better art teacher than me. But um, there was loads of students who were like, are you Miss Illingworth's daughter? And I was like, no. But she found it quite offensive because she's like, how old do they think I am? I was like, yeah, good point. You're not actually old enough to be my mum. So (laughs) yeah, take that back, children. (laughs) But um, that was really lovely. So I have a lot to owe to Miss Illingworth. Um, My other favorite teacher is Miss Moon who I'm actually friends with on Facebook and I wrote her a big long email it was probably kind of embarrassing a few years ago to thank her because I did think you re- she really changed my life too she took me on a trip to Europe back when I was in sixth form and I loved it here so much it's the reason I came back to the UK but I just got bitten so badly by the travel bug because of her and her husband I should give credit to her husband because they both took a bunch of mental teenagers on a trip around Europe. Um, And because of them, I really appreciate traveling and seeing other cultures and having those kind of opportunities. So all of my travels have been because of Miss Moon. She was also my music teacher. So she was so inspirational to me um, in terms of music. She pushed me to audition um, many moons ago to be a backup singer so in my previous life i was a backup singer and i actually was chosen to be a backup singer for um barry manilow and michael crawford and oh <laughs> i got all these amazing opportunities from it but i would have never been confident enough to go for those auditions had she not said well, yeah you could totally do that and she may said it so matter-of-factly that i was like what do you mean you just made it sound like it i can do this and just those really kind words i did thank her when i left school too um probably embarrassingly back then too because i just for me what she did for me i could never repay and then my third teacher that i loved and i read someone write something very similar about her on facebook recently was mrs mountford and when i first met this teacher i was really scared of her and she was very blunt and i've probably taken some of her bluntness and taken it into my teaching persona so she was always very matter of fact and like i know when i didn't do well on a test she was like did you revise so what do you expect and you're like oh yeah that's a good point why am i crying about this i don't think i was actually crying or um <laughs> there was one question she was like why were you being stupid when you answered this question i've seen you answer this a thousand times in class so why couldn't you do it on the test and i was like oh, i'm stupid at tests it's definitely a thing she goes how am i going to give you the economics prize, if you keep giving me question answers like this. And I remember just it was such a weird way of pointing out a strength, but I quite liked it and it, I really responded to it. But she also taught me the importance of voting and understanding what's happening in society and reading the newspaper and understanding political parties. And she spent a lot of time teaching us why voting and why democracy is so important. And I don't think we get taught that enough in schools. I don't think it was something she was told she had to teach us. I don't even know if it was on the curriculum, but I probably wouldn't have taken voting seriously had it not been for her. Um, And I read someone else who does a job in politics now and she said the same thing it's because of that teacher and I did think yeah that's so true T- voting was important to me because of Mrs Mountford so I'm really grateful to all those teachers I did have so many more but um they're the three that really really stick out in making me a better person so thank you thank you Miss Moon thank you Miss Ilymouth thank you Mrs Mountford <laughs> they're all women they were all women you're right um yeah, that's a really weird one. I don't think I had any bad male teachers. Oh, Miss Moon's husband, Mr. V- Mr. Van Bruggen. Thank you, Mr. Van Bruggen too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting, they're all women. I didn't even think of that.
0: I wonder if male teachers have the same thing where when they were younger, their favorite teacher was another male teacher. Because it's almost like you can see yourself in that role. And it's interesting that one of your teachers was also an art teacher. And you know that I think that's quite interesting as well. Because one of my yeah, and we kind of
1: was we kind of look alike too, so could definitely see myself being her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's why we need diversity in the classroom.
1: <laughs> exactly, I've just solved the. There you go. That's how you can become more diverse. Find more teachers or find more role models that look like our children. Yes. done.
0: Yeah, solved exactly. <laughs> and that is <laughs> that is how easy it is. <laughs>
1: is that easy um so thank you to listening um to our episode of hannah and kath have cake um we didn't actually do much eating i have drunk my cup of tea i'm so hungry and um if you see me in the video kind of looking down a lot it's because my cats come to tell me it's dinner time so (laughs) i was like what are you doing cat um yeah i'm really looking forward to eating my cake now
0: yeah definitely Well, thanks very much for listening and we'll hear, well, you'll hear from us in another two weeks. So
1: we're taking a break. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Because it's our holidays. (laughs) What are you doing for your holidays, Hannah?
0: I am isolating because that's what we're probably going to be doing in Manchester.
1: (laughs) That's a valid point. Now we're into three. No, I'm going to start making my Christmas cards. I think.
0: Oh yeah, I've got. Oh, do you know what's really sad? It's a teacher-related thing, and I was really excited about it. Have you heard of a cricket?
1: Yes, I love them. I really want one.
0: So I got one for Dale for his birthday, my husband. And uh, instead of him using it, it's now mine. So (laughs) I was going to use the cricket to make what I do is. to to make my displays, instead of having the lettering on fancy paper, I print different musical symbols and things inside lettering, and then I cut it out by hand and it's so painful. So I've made myself some sheets of paper with musical things on them. So it might be like, we're doing Indian music, so it might be a mandala or we're doing, uh, I don't know, jazz. So we've got like pictures of jazz instruments and things. So I'm gonna cut lettering out of that using my Cricut so that I don't have to painstakingly cut it out with my hands and end up with scissor marks on my fingers. So that's what I'm really excited about for lockdown. (laughs) Oh, yes.
1: (laughs) I love that you're going to, if we have a lockdown, you are going to spend it making teacher resources. I bet there's so many other teachers out there that are going to do exactly the same thing. I'm going to spend my extra time making more things for my job. But, you know, teachers are lazy and are just going to (laughs) daydream.
0: I really enjoy making stuff. And it's really frustrating that, you know, when you're looking at your display, and I know there's so many thoughts about displays being good, displays being bad. But when I look at my displays, because some of them have been there since the previous teacher, and I just like it to be mine. I just want it to be mine. It doesn't matter how good the previous teacher was at displays. I just want it to be mine. So I'm thinking of all the things that I need, need to happen. And I was reading somebody on Twitter the other day, and they've done um a display or that they, they did a, a tweet to do with black female composers because there aren't that many in the curriculum and I was thinking, oh, that'd make a great display. I'll do black female female composers. And now I'm like <laughs> about three weeks into making it and it's so intricate and so involved and I'm using my <laughs> cricket and I'm thinking this is taking my time away from important things that I should be doing but then I think no this is also important so I really do love making it's not like it's work for me I absolutely love making thing like things like that so uh yeah that, that'll probably help my well-being I think just cutting things out and making things creative <laughs>
1: Send me a photo when you're done. I'll chuck it up on Instagram. Don't forget that you can check us out on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or email us um, noncontacttime at gmail.com. That's all of our contacts, isn't it?
0: I think so, yeah. I think so far. No TikTok.
1: <laughs> no uh, no cringy TikTok. to convince me to do TikTok, and I'm just not up for it yet. <laughs> Give me time. <laughs>
0: well thanks so much for listening and we really appreciate all this engagement that we've had and the more you engage the more that our podcasts get spread about the world so yes please continue to share and like and comment on things
1: thanks for listening bye Bye.